What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week. But to tee something up before we do, we have been asking you all to request older OGNs or trades or stories or one-shots or whatever in the iTunes OG. 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 OG OGNs is what we like to call them in the iTunes comments. And we did get a request a little while back from AMM Angela to review the Empowered Omnibus Volume 1. So we'll be doing that at the end of the show. If you want to request something for us, again, just drop it in the iTunes comments. We've been loving revisiting these older books or things we might have missed, and we're happy to hear from you. But let's kick it off with something new first. Justice League 2022 Annual Number 1. From DC Comics, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Sanford Green. I mean, come on. Fresh <laughs> off. We're Sanford just got- Green. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Uh, just to start this off here, just to give a brief overview of the plot. So this is the Justice League dealing with Wonder Woman's return. Also, Omax shows up. There's a lot of time-traveling things that go on, and it ties directly into the Gold Lantern storyline that is happening over in Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes. I was a little iffy of putting this in because we've been 50-50 on Brian Michael Bendis's Justice League stuff, but I saw the art was by Sanford Green, and I was like, if I don't put this in, Pete's going to make me put this in. Yeah. So let's just get it. Let's just Dude, cut through that. I was the... hilarious because I'm looking at the poll list that we get, and I'm just like, huh, I wonder why Zell's put it in this angle. That was like, oh, my God. Yeah. I Sanford figured let's cut Green. out a step there and just go ahead and do this. So, Pete, you're a huge Sanford Green fan. What did you think about this book? I mean, come on. Dude, Wonder Woman looked like a badass. The character designs were fantastic. It's a great look to kind of mix things up a little bit. And Sanford Green is an unbelievable artist. Uh, it's just fun to see characters Sanford Green. You know what I mean? Like just, oh, it's a lot of fun. I didn't know that was a term we're throwing around. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I. I just 40 pages of creativity and amazing art. I don't know what, what more you want. The art is fantastic in this book, but I'm starting to think that is Naomi like Brian Michael Bendis's like cousin or I feel like <laughs> it, it's you know, I know you you're friend. joking, but I believe she was based at least in part on his daughter. Well, OK, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, how you have a friend who's like, hey, let's hang out. And you're like, yes. And like my cousin's coming. What? I don't even know your cousin. <laughs> Why are you bringing your cousin? We are hanging. We're friends. I'm not friends with your cousin. And that's what it feels like. Every comic prime Michael Bendis is like, hey, here's Naomi. Look, here, she's here. she's so cool. She hangs with all the Justice League. And I'm like, I OK, but I just you're making I get this what you're something. saying. I will say. And maybe it's because overall, I actually really like this issue. And I thought it was one of the stronger Justice League books that Brian Michael Bettis yes, has done. It had a lot of yes. focus with the villain, with the overall story with Omac. And granted, it ties into this bigger story. But the structure of it, he structures it like an old school comic from... OMAC times, I guess we can yeah. call them. Nice. Uh, the Naomi seat I actually thought was fun because it puts her in this position of being a fangirl about Wonder Woman saying kind of the wrong thing. And I think that is, as a younger unknown that we just aren't quite as familiar with, is a fun place to put her versus this like very, like you're talking about, this badass that everybody loves all the time, which she's not quite there yet. Like, I'm willing to like the character, but we need more time. Uh, I just like to, uh, but in this book, in this book, they're like queen Naomi. They're like putting this next big thing on here. It's like, okay. Okay. But I agree. The art is fantastic. This is, I think one of the more successful Bendis comics, because it feels like the structure of the old school comic really helps here. 
I, yeah, I mean, it's worth it for the art alone, but I would like to say I have the opposite problem. It's like when I hang out with you and your brother's not there. It's kind of like, oh, uh, it's not as Justin good. Justin is you know the Naomi I mean? of this situation? Wow, what an ironic, what a sort of uh, <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan-esque turn <laughs> that I'm the Naomi here yep. uh, because Pete loves my brother. <laughs> Why don't we move on Bummer. then and talk about Secret X-Men number one from Marvel, written by Teeny Howard, art by Francesco Mobili. This is a bunch of X-Men who are rejected for the main team, getting together in space to help out the Shi'ar. Once again, the queen of the Shi'ar, Lalandra? I always blank on her name. Is that it? Uh, that's, she's the main queen, but that she's not the young queen who's featured Oh, here. right. The young queen of the Shi'ar has been kidnapped. Deathbird recruits them. Uh, sh- don't tell anybody. What do we Chandra. think about this book? Uh, Pete, this is very far away from Krakoa and all that stuff. Did you find yourself liking this more or about the same? Well, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm a big fan of armor. You know, if armor's there, I'll show up. But uh, I don't know. know. This is, I mean, this isn't like that great. (laughs) (laughs) Justin, what did you think about this one? Um, This said, uh, I feel like this was old school X-Men stuff. Uh, It felt like a number one where it's like, we're putting together this team of sort of random uh, heroes under this uh, loosely uh, put together idea that they have to catch this, uh, find this uh, quote unquote princess. I, I know that's not the title, but then she... Like it is there's a couple twists in here and I do like the characters in this team. So uh I think this is worth a read. And Pete, I do think it's different enough from the main X Men book that it, it you might is different enough, grow which to love is it. nice. Yeah. I if you're like, you know, up like, hey, you know, I'm sick of everything that's going on in the X Men world, this is a nice kind of old school X Men thing. I agree with you. Uh art is unbelievable, a lot of great action. Um you know. I do think there was a little too much going on in this book, particularly for the page count. There was so much dialogue and so many twists and so many turns. It felt like the frustrating part of some of the old school comics where it's just like so much happening and you're like, wait, what's going on? Like, what? But I do think when it settled down and focused on the relationships, like Justin was mentioning, particularly uh, Roberto, Sunspot, and Catabolic, who I love, they're a great duo, and I think T.D. Howard does a great job of capturing their rapport. That's a very fun part of the book. And as this potentially keeps going, I think it'll be fun to see how that develops versus that first burst of exposition for the first issue. Why don't we move on then and talk exposition. (laughs) Suicide Squad Blaze number one from DC Comics, written by Simon Spurrier, art by Aaron Campbell. There's a bunch of twists here in this book. This is, by the way, another black label book, so it's semi out of continuity. There's some extreme violence that happens here, but it focuses on a bunch of prisoners who are paired with the Suicide Squad, specifically Captain Boomerang, Harley Quinn, King Shark, and of course, peacemaker, omnipresent these days, Uh, and they are offered powers, extraordinary powers, but they will die in three months is essentially what it is. It's a a shitty deal. It's It's a a shitty deal, but it's a great comic book. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a lot of... of, Unless you're you're good, unless you're like, three months, I'm good. (laughs) Wow, Justin, you all right, man? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Three months. (laughs) No, we're going to need you longer than three months, buddy. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of comics. It's not that much time. Three months? It's going to be like spring. Oh, my God. And winter, (laughs) it's like 15 degrees right now. Your favorite season. Like, why even bother making it all the way to spring, you know? Summer's Uh, so hot. (laughs) 
I gotta say though, this is this book is a lot of fun. Really great art. It feels like this picks up. It feels like the movies. It feels really kind of like uh, a good idea. I, I think this is a very cool concept. Great use of the characters. Uh, yeah, I think this is great. You get your classic Suicide Squad team here, right. and then you springboard into something new, different, taking the sort of premise and putting it into a whole new thing. The art is cool, um, has sort of like very bloody, but also a little bit more artistic take, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah I, I really I, like this. I mean, I think it does, to your point, Justin, it does what this is supposed to do, which is essentially be the vertigo for DC Universe over in Black Label, and it definitely feels like that. So cool stuff. Pick it up. Next up, Devil's Reign, number four from Marvel, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Marco Cicchetto. In this issue, we're picking up weeks later, if not months later, I believe, as the Kingpin has consolidated his rule over New York using the Purple Man's powers. The heroes are on the run. They're literally underground trying to fight back. And he is only becoming more powerful, leading to a cliffhanger that we all knew was coming, but still hits hard nonetheless. This crossover is great. I'm loving it. Okay, let's talk about what really happened, okay? Daredevil went to see Foggy in the hospital, and, you know, I mean, Foggy's almost dying here in his hospital bed, and he just got to cheer up Daredevil. I mean, come on. When does the favor get returned? When, why can't it just be Daredevil being nice and being by Foggy's side of the bed and being like, hey, man, heal up. You're going to be okay, you know? Like, Daredevil, you know, constantly needs Foggy. It's just this, you know... One-sided relationship. It's it's heartbreaking to watch. It's just you know. I mean, you're saying just, you'd rather have the issue be Daredevil just in the hospital the whole time, like putting together a crack team of foods from the vending machine. Yeah, uh, to it's, try to defeat his hunger. Hey, it would I, be I got nice a to see him be there for Foggy one time. I have a question for you, Pete. Since he's in the hospital, he's probably drugged up. So, do you think Foggy is groggy? <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> the smile on your face is ridiculous. Uh, I've been sitting on that one for weeks. It's truly months. <laughs> but you like want Daredevil. Joke. More seriously, you want Daredevil to sit at the end of his bed like a doggy. <laughs> I, I want Daredevil to, you know, thank Foggy one time for all that he's done. You know what I mean? And all he continues is sacrifice for the team. Yeah. Hey, he if, would think, uh, but his foggy, voice is still froggy. Uh, oh, God. And if he pees himself in bed, he'd get awfully soggy. You dads are ridiculous. Here's the thing. I, it's really sad that Foggy only has three months to live. <laughs> I wish he hadn't have taken that deal. Oh, yeah. so I'm not like, listen, you have three months to live. Also, you're less powerful than ever before. Yeah. You uh, even, can we talk I, about I, this book I, otherwise? Yes, yes, yes. I really like this crossover as well. It does that rare thing, I feel like, where um, it's a crossover that really feels big without having to cross over into 50 other books. All the heroes in here feel like they're real selves. Well, at the same time, you've got uh, Kingpin, you know, putting it together. He's struggling. Relationship with his son, not going so hot. New wife uh, does some magic on her. It's good. Yeah, I, I got some questions though. First off, love the Moonshadow cameo. That was cool. Um, Moon also, night, Moon Knight. Sorry, that's what I meant to say. Um, what 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 happened with Kingpin at the top of the? What was that? Where he was like praying to his cane, and then something happened. But I, I wasn't. So, 
Okay. Rain Dew's game. Uh, instead of making fun of you, I'll just tell you what happened. So Thank he, you. He has, wow, we have he, grown up. Yeah. Uh, he has the Purple Man's finger in his cane, so he's using a little bit of the Purple Man's power, right, oh. to influence New York. But he realized when he influenced Typhoid Mary and made her remember something, is he realized, oh, the thing that I've wanted all along, the thing that has been causing me to do everything, which is not knowing Daredevil's identity— because the file was taken from his safe and Daredevil cast a spell or actually a spell was cast on his behalf to wipe the memory of everybody in the world of his identity, unless he told them. Uh, he realizes, oh, wait a second, I could use the purple man's power to make myself remember that Daredevil is Matt Murdock. And that's what happens at the end of the issue. He remembers oh, shit. And he is, uh, it's very unsubtle, but he is born again, similar to Daredevil born again. It's a little bit of a shout out there. Wow. In a way, Alex just purple manned you with that information, Pete. Pretty much. Well, thank you for uh, fingering me the information. I appreciate oh that. <laughs> <laughs> Joker number 12 from DC Comics, written by James Dodd of the Fourth. It's Sam Johns, art by Giuseppe Cabancoli and Belen Ortega. And in this issue, Commissioner Gordon finally puts it together. And I believe we speculated about this a long time ago. Big spoiler warning here. But the person... Behind A-Day is not, of course, the Joker, as has been indicated for months, but in fact, Bane, who is very much alive, was working with the Court of Owls, was behind everything in the book. Even though we saw it coming, I love this twist, and I loved how it was executed. This book is so good. Yes. I feel like it, this this issue is like when the, the music in like the third act of a movie picks up, and it's like, all right. Let's do this. And it's like, that's what this issue is all about. This backdoor Commissioner Gordon series that they, that James Tynan just really snuck into our, our brains, uh, which is really fun. And he's got the whole Gordon family showing up uh, from Harvey to Barbara. I don't know why this is called the Joker book, but I'm having such a great time. Uh, this is so well written, unbelievable art, great twists and turns. This is a fantastic comic. I'm having a blast. So good. And the art is so good as well from Giuseppe Camincoli. Just really brings this horrific flair to a lot of the stuff that's going on. Definitely check this out. Next Plus up. Plus the, the, the backup storyline with Punchline is also really fun. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, Maestro, World <laughs> War M, number one from Marvel, written by Peter David, art by Jermaine Peralta. This is the third of Peter David's trilogy, bringing the Maestro back and potentially showing how it hooks up with the classic future imperfect storyline, though I guess we don't know yet. Here it's the Abomination teaming up with Namor. And meanwhile, Maestro is going on the warpath. Uh, I'll tell you what, I skipped, to be honest, uh, full disclosure, the second miniseries here, the PAX and Maestro or whatever it was called. Um, but this is really good. Like like the first one, his Maestro stuff is pretty terrifying and pretty interesting, and I like this world, and I like seeing him play in it. Yeah, I mean, I got... I got <laughs> Your silence means you agree with me. Well, I... It yeah. was a little rough, the neck snapping. You know what I mean? Like, that was a little rough. But, man... Uh, Unbelievable art. The action's great. This is a fun story. Um, yeah, the whole like World War M thing is a little weird. But uh, yeah, this is, I, I don't know. I, I keep thinking like, this can't be as good. But it is. It's fun. My issue with it is, I feel like the maestro was meant to be this like super terrifying uh, sort of future. It's like a lesson for the Hulk. Like, be careful about how you covet power. 
And now that we're sort of in it and we're watching him day to day, it loses a little bit of the magic. Like he's mm-hmm. just like, well, I got to go fight this guy. Uh, it feels a little random that like you got Neymar popping up. And with a story, a character that is so deliberately meant to do something, to just have them doing random stuff feels a little – it weakens the character in general a little bit for me. And so, like, I think the story – it is a fun story, but it just feels like he's supposed to be this scary dude who just, like, tries to kill the – like, I, I need a new take or not day-to-day. It's like watching watching Batman go grocery shopping. Yeah, but isn't it weird? Like, I keep wanting them to cut to Maestro and he's, like, at a piano or, like, Mm -hmm. playing a violin or something. Mm -hmm. And it never happens. You know? It's kind of driving me crazy. Right, because he has those conducting powers. Yeah. He can conduct an orchestra. Absolutely. He he rarely conducts, which is what we all bought in Put on some white gloves. Give me a little something. You know what I mean? A tiny wand. (laughs) Yeah. Wonder Woman number 784 from DC Comics, written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad and Vida Ayala, art by Marcio Takara and Skylar Patridge. This is tying up the storyline of Wonder Woman fighting against a bunch of mirror doubles of her, as well as teeing up what's going to happen in the trial of the Amazons crossover. What did you think about how this arc wrapped up? There's some big surprises here, so if you don't want spoilers, obviously, earmuffs on. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I, this is first off, the art is really fantastic in this. This has been some really uh, amazing storytelling. I liking the kind of places that Wonder Woman goes in this. Um, I, it's a little frustrating. Um, like, I want her to know it's Dr. Psycho, you know, already. But man, uh, just this is just fun. This is great. I think she does know it's Dr. Psycho. She keeps calling out and being like, Dr. Psycho, stop it. So I, f- I feel like she is aware, but he's okay, still, yeah, you, he's still pulling strings in the background. Yeah, I just, I hate but how she keeps like getting Dr. away. Psycho? Is she mm-hmm. guessing, you think? Yeah. Or is she saying it like Dr. Psycho? No, I think there's a, a period at the end of the sentence instead of a question mark. That's right. You got to check your punctuation. I'm, I want um, an exclamation point. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can add if you see a period P, you can just write in the exclamation point. Oh, smart! Yeah, yeah. and the then everyone's point, shouting. The exclamation point is the conductor's wand of the sentence. Oh, <laughs> well done, Cornell! Thank you. Well You've done. been saying that for years. Your punctuation this is the first right time it's that. ever been applicable. Um, Congrats! I I love this run. I feel like this has been just a I, – I hope this is looked back on as just such an excellent Wonder Woman run because I've been really enjoying the the new sort of stories we're getting for, for Diana here. Yeah, and I also – it's interesting because we very much downplayed the reunion with Steve Trevor here, but the big spoiler that I was teasing before is Siegfried, the character from the previous arc, returns. Turns out he's Shining Knight, and I think that's great. I'm interested Fun to reveal. see – romantically how they go forward and potentially how that does affect her relationship with Steve, but they're trying something easy. Take it easy with that. Freshen it up. Don't you dare. Speaking of of freshening up love triangles, let's move to our next book, which is Archie Love and Heartbreak Special from Archie Comics, written by Thomas Patelli, Stephen Stephanie Cook, and Cinna Grace, art by Thomas Patelli, Lisa Sterl, and Iolanda Zanfardino. This is three link tales of the Archie Comics characters at a carnival as they try out different romantic pairings. The first First one. What happened to your is, voice there? Mm-hmm. He's excited. Let him be excited. excited. 
The first one is the fan favorite pairing from the TV show Riverdale of Bughead. Now, canonically, huh. Jughead is asexual in the comics, so they have to dance around it a little bit. So it's basically Buddy and Jughead Nobody. going on a date and Jughead Just saying, me. here's what it would be like if we went on a date. Classic Billy Bigelow style. You guys know what I'm talking about <laughs> uh, without all the abuse, like yeah. bad abuse stuff in oh, the background. Oh, man. What did you uh, bring up? The second one is Dilton and Veronica, and the third one is a date that Kevin Keller goes on. So what did you think about this collection? Pete, you're clapping. You're usually anti-Archie. Seems like you're pro-Archie right now. So Happy what's clapping. Ha- what's happening here is... I started to read this comic with my arms crossed like harumph. How did you hold it? The jughead of it all melted my heart. I mean, it was just beautiful. I mean, the the moments they had, the way that uh, Betty is one over here. This is just, this is just beautiful. This is just, it's meant to be. It's what what it's all about. I I thought this was great. The Kevin stuff was also really fun. I thought this was great. This is adorable. Um, this was great. I thought the art was really cool. It felt like a little bit different for Archie. It wasn't yeah. fully in the old horror realm. It was, exactly. Old but new, which I thought was cool. And I gotta, I really liked that they didn't feature Archie. It was like, let's have a romance, a series of romance stories that was just like, hey, this is going to be uh, about these other characters that we like. But did you notice, like, the bear was really holding Archie down. Like, I love that shout out to the TV show. Get it? Like that giant bear was mm-hmm. holding her. I mm-hmm. mean, that was just. And the Dilton Veronica story was very cute as well. I yeah. figure uh, each one of these found a very nuanced way to deal with romance. That was really nice. So even if you are totally into the Archie characters, this is still a fun one to check out. Next up, Detective Comics 1052 from DC Comics, written by Mariko Tamaki and Matthew Rosenberg, art by Max Rayner and Fernando Blanco. In the front story, we're continuing the story of Arkham Tower which is being controlled by, spoiler, Psycho Pirate. That's the big reveal that we found out recently. Different than Dr. Psycho. He's He's more of a piracy psycho. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but this pirate runs on coffee. Energy drinks, mostly. Energy drinks. Yeah. So he lost control a little bit in the last issue. This issue, they're getting control back as they continue this con on Gotham City. And the backstory is continuing to show what happens with this kid who may turn to villainy, may be a hero. Right now, he's working with the Penguin. Both of these stories continue to be awesome. Yeah. First off, art all around is unbelievable. But this is just... Like the the kind of heightening increasing of this kind of tower of terror here is great. Um, you know how pe- people are kind of stuck under it and are get br- break free for a couple of seconds. It just is. Uh, yeah, I this is a great. And then this kid thing is goddamn heartbreaking. I'm really worried which team this kid's going to fall on here, and it's not looking good. <laughs> um. I mean, I agree. I, I love both these stories. They're, this comic is doing a great job just with tension. And it's yeah. something that I think when we first came in, we were like, this is, what is this? And it felt like it was just slowly like, yeah, it's here, the characters. And they've been just tightening the screws every issue really like confidently on both. Mm-hmm. In the story with a kid, you're like, this is, stre- <laughs> this is straight up stressful. <laughs> yeah. I'm stressed. Well, yeah. I have a question for you guys. I'm worried about this kid, guys. Well, there's something interesting that comes up in this issue in particular, which is this kid tangles with Jason Todd instead of Dick Grayson. Now, has a lot of time passed or 
is something wrong with this kid's brain? Like, is there some sort of time skipping or Scarecrow's fear toxin is infecting or him in some way? Or there's just like different nights of the week. They punch in on different nights. Maybe it's a oh, Tuesday, sure. not a Thursday. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm, that's a good point. It's mm-hmm. really different on Thursday. Yeah. Closer and to the Bruce weekend. Wade is like, I'm sorry, you're, I'm only going to adopt you on Thursdays. No, I mean, Bruce is gone. Got, like, they got to have a rotation CTV. of shifts working the city. Like, um, That's not how it's ever not, worked. Definitely not what's <laughs> happening here. I guess it's an open question. We'll see what happens in the next issue. It, it, I will say it's sort of staged a little bit like it could be a hallucination. And the classic Robin outfit feels a little like, oh, that's that. That's definitely not current. Uh, even current for very long with Jason Todd. So I don't know. It, it, it is hard to say. Yeah, but also like people getting arrested on rumors that kids are saying, I mean, what kind of Gotham is this? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Moving on to I think this was Pete's favorite of the week. Faithless number three, number (laughs) one from Boom Studios, written by Brian Azzarello, art by Maria Lovett. As we pick up here, the main character has been having a straight up orgy in hell for the past couple of months. She finally comes back and redefines her art career. Pete, you really love the fucked up sex shit. What do you think about this book? And that'd be honestly take as much time as you want to get into the nuances here because we have a minute. I'm just gonna. I think Alex and I are gonna step away. So the floor is yours to really get into this comic. And Brian Azzarello is listening. Okay. Well, first off, this doesn't pass the uh, subway test where you can't read this in public. <laughs> All right. If somebody looks over and happens to look at the page that you're looking at, you're you're going to be looked at as a perv. So uh, I felt bad. I was giving a, I was giving a lecture at uh, the Smithsonian and this oh. popped up on my screen and all oh, the man. it was yeah. just really By the way, you're in Philly now. So what's the equivalent of the subway test, the Cheesecake the- Express or something like that? <laughs> go fuck yourself. They have adorable little trolleys that go everywhere, <laughs> motherfucker. And oh, you're okay. the you're the trolley pervert reading this <laughs> porno comic. <laughs> there he is. It's the trolley pervert. <laughs> toot, toot. <laughs> All aboard! Uh, Yeah, so, um, you know, Azarello, as we all know, uh, likes likes some dark, weird stuff. He's very creative. But um, what's nice is after the orgy stuff is over, then we get some forward movement in the character, which is nice. Uh, Art is beautiful when it's not being fucked up and pervy and shit. (laughs) Wow. That's part of the story, Pete, and you really got to fall in love with it. I... this this story feels like it's sort of drifting a little bit to me, especially this mm-hmm. was like sort of a number one, uh, a number one of the new part. So I expected it to be a little bit more, here's what's happening. And maybe it's meant to reflect the character who also seems like she's drifting um, a little bit. I, I do like the series and I like the art, so I'm going to stick around, but I'm ready for sort of the next shoot it drop. Yeah, I agree. Uh, But uh, again, like we've been talking about, Maria Levis' art is absolutely gorgeous throughout this entire issue. Next up, Batman Catwoman, number 10 from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Clay Mann. After we, I think all three of us loved the annual, thought it was a perfect issue of Batman Catwoman. Now we're back to the regular run of the story, focusing on Catwoman versus her daughter versus the Joker in two different time periods. What do you think about this? Is, well, the, um, the timelines are collapsing in a good way. I feel like the pace is picking up. It feel, feels like we're ramping toward an end here. But I was sort of ruined by how good that annual was. This story feels a little bit smaller by how great and big the the last story was in the annual. So um, I'm ready for 
it's a little harder to get back into this one. I still, I do like this. This is one of the more successful issues, I think, of this series in in that it is more focused than some of the other ones. Uh, I'm wondering, you know, because as someone, because the result of this drama about like, DC kind of pulling this story in the middle of the Batman run, and then we got it over on the black label. And I'm just wondering if there was like a disagreement or whatever with this story, because like, this is not fun. This is basically Catwoman being like, yeah, I don't give a fuck about any of y'all. And this isn't fun to read. I don't, I mean, I respect Catwoman and what she was wants to do or how she wants to do it. But like, all right, man, like that's cold as ice. Pete, let me ask you, have you ever been uh, around a regular cat? Yes. Yes. Touche. Do, wouldn't you say, yeah. wouldn't okay. you say that's I, no, their I whole thing? That, I, got you, I don't right. give a fuck you, about anyone. Susie, you don't need to even continue. I know what you mean. <laughs> Next up, The Scorched, number two from Image Comics, written by Sean Lewis, art by Steven Segovia. This is continuing the story of a bunch of spawns who are going up against an evil spawn for the future of spawns. Uh, <laughs> I know I'm making a little fun here, but like we you talked are. about with the last issue... This is very fun. Uh, this is just like classic 90s style comic book, shoot them up, exploding bodies things. And I'm having a good time reading this. <laughs> Look at you. You're like a young man again. Mm-hmm. Yep. My uh, virility I, is back. Hey, congratulations. I, Thanks. Man. And that's the little wand of this podcast. <laughs> oh uh, I, I, I feel like one thing I like about this comic is Spawn feels like it was created as sort of like, Hey, this isn't Venom, but it's pretty close, and I'm in charge of it. Uh, and this comic is like, yep, that's sort of what we're doing here. Just a bunch <laughs> of Venoms uh, fighting it out. Because um, that definitely was the energy, and the term symbiote flies around to the, this, this comic as well now. So I like that it's sort of like answering to the initial premise of Spawn across the board. And then, yeah, it's just like lots of, there's like the bullet, the special bullet just shot that Spawn. It's like big Spawn action happening all the time. This is great. This is just like, uh, you know, if we all had Spawn action figures and we're uh, fighting each other, this is just fun. Next up, Superman, Son of Kal-El, number eight from TC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by C.N. Tormey. This is continuing the team up between... Do we call him? We don't call him Aqualad anymore. He's now Aquaman, right? I think. Yeah, one okay. of many Aquaman. Yes, one of many Aquaman, uh, teaming up with Superman to turn back a gigantic sea monster who is about to hit Metropolis. Meanwhile, Harry Bendix's super beings called the Rising are fighting it and pretty much losing. Though it turns out. That's not exactly the point. Uh, Tom Taylor continues to kill it with this book, giving some really complicated, interesting political points, which he has done over the course of his entire career. But it's always very nice to see, particularly in a mainstream Superman book. Because he's doing that, but also just like telling a great superhero story about a, a character really coming into his own, like fighting like a big monster while also having this new romance like uh, he in Jay, he has his Lois Lane. Like I love the moments at the end of the book here, where they're just like hanging out on the side of a building, Batman and Batman Catwoman style, uh, just like uh, being together. And it's just a, this book is doing so much at once in a great way. Yeah, I'm having a blast with this book. Love the art. Love the voice of Superman. Like what this Superman's trying to do and stand for. This is really cool. Love the giant monster stuff and how that was all resolved. Super smart. Uh, yeah, this is just this is just a great Superman package here. 
and you love a tight package. Next up, Wait, Bolt. Uh, I just yeah. wanted to say also, like, also really cool that Superman got an invitation to live at sea. I mean, what an mm. honor that is. Uh, what would you guys, would you guys do if Aquaman was like, hey, if you want to come live in the sea, come on. What, what, what would you guys? Seems cold. Really? Mm. Yeah. That's my big You get used to it. it. You, get, you, you think so? You get used to it. Yeah. yeah. You dip your toe in. First, and you, then, you go your toe yeah. first, and then you got to yeah. wait a little bit. Your and little then the wand shrinks foot. up a little bit, and then you uh, keep oh walking in. Oh, my God. Why would you do that? Aquaman, I would love to live in the sea with you, but I'm worried about my little wand. <laughs> uh, okay, man. Sorry. I shouldn't have offered this to you. No, no. I can describe it further if you'd like. Aquaman. <laughs> Splash. There goes Aquaman. <laughs> Buffy the Last Vampire Slayer, number three for Boob Studios, written by Casey Gilly, art by Joe Jaro. In this issue, Buffy has met up with a bunch of witches as well as Spike, but they're taking her new ward to figure out what is preventing her powers from working completely. Meanwhile, a bunch of vampiric forces are gathering around them, leading to a big fight at the end of this issue. Like we mentioned with the past couple of issues, I continue to think this is the best thing that Boob Studios has put out for Buffy so far. I am loving this run. You love an ornery Buffy. Yeah, like a do. real curmudgeon Buffy yeah. who's sick of it. I I think this is the perfect collusion of Pete's interests and my interests, which Aww. is you Grandmas like old and ki- Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, I thought you were talking about just you know Buffy action packed and and ready to go. No, no, Pete, you uh, love Grandmas. Right. <laughs> just was right. <laughs> uh, this is fun. I love the action. It's uh, it's nice to see kind of. Uh, uh, Buffy doing her thing and and kind of fighting off vampires finally. So I'm yeah I'm loving it. Um, what would, if Wonder Woman was older, Pete? Would you be like I love this more? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I don't know. But uh, Wonder Woman's great. Yeah, it's great. Grandmas are great, right? Sure. <laughs> Why don't we move on then and talk about a bunch of young ladies who've gotten together to fight crime and Bad Girls number three from DC Comics, oh, written by Becky Clooney and Michael W. Conrad, art by Jorge Corona. I did not. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. I could no. have made it creepy, but I didn't. You did. That's make Alex. It I could have put wow. a like ten. No, you were putting a tone on it. You were like, yeah, no. Uh, I could have been like a bunch of lovely. No, lush, stop. Lush, uh, no, uh, no, no, don't, no. Don't exercise your power, Thanos. <laughs> yeah. your I'm Thanos. just showing the difference. I'm saying I didn't do that. I could have done <laughs> that, and I didn't do Thanos that. Thanos who's had too many at the bar. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this book is a lot of fun I'm as gonna well. Snap. From the, I'm going to yeah, snap. That's a lot of fun snap, from the same team as Wonder Woman. Here we're getting Cassie and, uh, spoiler, Stephanie. Stephanie teaming <laughs> up with Barbara oh. in this issue. Barbara gets thought, out of the field as well. I just completely I thought you up. were like, spoiler. And I was like, what's he going to say? Oh, the name of yeah. spoiler. Uh, this book is great. I, I mean, I love the tone of it. It is very different from what they're doing over on Wonder Woman. The art from Jorge Corona is so much fun. There's these little chibi versions of the characters where they're all communicating yeah. with each other that are delightful. I'm just having a blast reading this book. I, I, agree. I agree. It's fun. It's it's fun and funny, and the art is really good. Um, and the villain sort of working behind the scenes is setting up to be like a good threat, I think, for these characters. I agree. Uh, the covers are fun. The brightness, uh, the the whole kind of like flow of it is really great, unique. The paneling's unbelievable. This is 
great art. It's a fun take with these characters. Great use of an idea. Next up, Radiant Black, number 12 from Image Comics, written by Kyle Higgins and Megan Camarana, art by French Carlo Magno. This is flashing back in time and showing us how two of our Radiants got together and at least one of them got their powers. This is another great issue of this book, and I really like the focus on the characters in here in particular. What did you guys think? I, yeah, I. it's kind of a, a little bit of like, moving backwards a little bit to give a story, which is great. Uh, it's a nice little kind of break and it's definitely a ton of info and reveals, which is fun, but yeah, love the art. This is such a cool idea. Um, it's not as intense as maybe some of the other issues has been, but it's still a great story and, uh, continues to move forward. Uh, I'm having a blast with this book. I feel like this really spoke to me because of her struggles to get a, a good microphone. She's trying to get it fixed. She yeah. can't get her internet. Her internet's not working really well. <laughs> it was like very, and honestly, it got really into the seen. details. I felt seen. Yeah. Really into the details of someone who's like a streamer and those like get into the subs. Like I was like, there's no need for this story to get into this much detail. So it felt very personal from the the storytelling team to be like, Okay, I need to get more subs. I'm trying to do this. I just did this. I can get my mic fixed. Oh, you're going to have a, give me superpowers instead of getting my mic fixed? Okay. <laughs> but I don't know. I like some of the personal details as well. I thought this was a good issue and a good book. Last but not least, as mentioned earlier, this was requested by AMM Angela over on iTunes in the comments. Similarly, if you'd like to request a book in the comments over on iTunes, please do. We would love to review it on the snack. Empowered Omnibus, Volume 1 from Dark Horse by Adam Warren. This collects the first three volumes of the book, if you've gotten them individually. Now, we reviewed this book back in the day, back when it was coming out. We reviewed a bunch yes. of individual issues. If you've never checked it out, it focuses on a heroine named Empowered, who wears a super suit that gets unfortunately torn all the time. It actually started the backstory here as Adam Warren was commissioned to do a bunch of bondage pictures by a fan he felt kind of icky about it and started playing around with the character and figured out a way to make fun of these bondage tropes and these superhero tropes uh, in a way that made sense for the story. And I think if you never read the book, first of all, if you haven't gathered from the beginning, very much for adults, but this is a ton of fun and it's very funny. It's very meta purposefully to the point that some of the characters are like, well, this is very meta all the time, but it breaks down superhero tropes. It breaks down and skewers the idea of sexualization of superheroes and the character of empower character of empowered is so unique and so much fun to follow. It develops so nicely over the course of the omnibus where it starts with these individual little stories that are more like sketches, like not uh, like skits. Yeah. Uh, skits? The, I don't know. I'm saying for people out you. there so I don't confuse sketches with sketches from comic books. Uh, but mm. ultimately, like, what he does there, and it's really fun to see develop, is he develops the characters of Empowered, her boyfriend Thug Boy, her best friend Ninjet. It adds in all of these other characters. And it has a lot of sympathy for a lot of the characters as well. Even the ones who start out as jerks develop really nicely while never forgoing the comedy the entire time. Well, and what I like about this book is a, 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 a book that sort of started as as a meta a commentary on on comics and superheroes and, and getting into tropes and stuff like that. I, a lot of books sort of do that, I think. And what's great about 
but run out of gas or run out of steam where it's like, we did our joke about this one thing. Like, it's crazy. There are too many superheroes or whatever it is. And this one really, like, moves through the story and the, the has the fun, but also, like you're saying, develops the characters and finds a way to make it relevant throughout as opposed to just, like, burning out a premise right at the top. The art's really, uh, really good and... Um, and it's a fun it's just a fun book across the board i will say it's definitely good to if you don't know comics i wouldn't recommend this to someone um, who doesn't know already have a good base of knowledge about comics in general yeah, yeah. Oh, go I, ahead, I was just gonna say like you, uh, you got to be in on the joke to kind of get it because just kind of holding it out and looking at it it's kind of like oh this is really over the top and very kind of pervy a little bit sometimes so like you got to kind of get into it and understand the comments that are trying to be made a little bit but there are like i was saying earlier i think some deeper things that happen with the characters particularly between ninjet thug boy and empowered as it goes on um ninjet's initial jokes of like they're getting wasted on a night out become much deeper over the course of the story where it turns out that she has some serious issues with alcoholism and alcohol abuse um so it doesn't shy away from that stuff and like you mentioned justin adam warren's uh, art is just great. It's just really kinetic and fun. Uh, he even jokes about it at one point, or he has empowered joke about it in one of her fourth wall breaking things, where she's like, "Yeah, it's not uh, superhero enough for the superhero crowd. It's not manga enough for the manga crowd. Nobody's going to like this book." <laughs> but if you are into both of those things, I think you will enjoy it quite a bit. When that makes me think that maybe this, if you really like Deadpool, this feels like a, a Deadpool that actually has a little bit more. It's not just about the fun. There's a little bit more uh, stuff going on here. Um, so maybe great for the Deadpool fan in your life. There you go. Deadpool, Harley Quinn, anything that's skewering superheroes, you're going to enjoy this. Uh, and again, drop us some requests. We would love to get them in the iTunes comments. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books or whatever. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast, and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop. And all the conductors out there can send any um, symphonies <laughs> they'd like us to review as well. We're happy to dive in on that when get, get your wands up. Yeah.